0: Chris Denson, host of Innovation Crush, uh, the show talks a lot about uh, innovation, how it happens. I like to say it's a cross between Fast Company and The Daily Show. Um, if you know what either of those things are, we like to have fun, uh, make the conversations fun, funny, and informative. And uh, today, um, I don't know. I want to bring up a man who, you know, what do you, how do you describe the man who does it all? Um, come on up, and then we'll just we'll do this a little informally. Marcus, Marcellus Wiley, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Not intimidated by your, by your size at all. <laughs> um, so from what I, I mean, you're the, the ultimate multi-hyphenate, as far as I can put together, philanthropist, mm-hmm. entrepreneur, speaker, technologist, um, <laughs> all, all sorts of things, yes. workout enthusiast. Mm-hmm. If, if someone had never met you before and they go like,
1: hey, nice to meet you, Marcellus, what do you do? Oh, wow. Uh, Where do I start? Um, I I guess at the core of all things that I do is obviously uh, passion mixed with design. Um, Very calculated. Uh, I think that was a calculation that was given to me by my upbringing, by my nuclear family, um, people that really protected and tried to steer me and and us in the right direction um, based on adverse circumstances. So growing up in, in Compton and in South Central Los Angeles. We all know the statistics. We all know the adversity that you face. And I think that my mother especially uh, took time and took attention and tried to put us in the best positions possible uh, to give us opportunities that she didn't have growing up. So I guess when that's part of your DNA and then certainly part of my upbringing, uh, I started to uh, not only dream, but uh, try to make those dreams reality. That's great. And your in your, um, in your- bio
0: and shout out to your mom um your bio talks a lot about you know you being an agent of transition um and kind of kudos to your mom for preparing you for that right because you know and there's a a, a phrase i love which is from compton to columbia Mm. um in that transition what was kind of like one of the most surprising things that you know rose up for you
1: yeah So many things. I mean, how long we got an hour here? Uh, I I think the first thing is when people tell you you can't, for you not to believe in that, not to internalize that, to actually be courageous enough to start to define your own life. So it started with me with identity. Um, And I don't wanna say identity in a traditional sense. Um, I didn't know what I wanted to be when I was young and when I was facing all this adversity, but I knew what I wasn't. And so I think my identity checklist wasn't so much, who are you, but who are you not? And I was not a gangster. I was not a drug dealer. I was not hard. I was not tough. Uh, I kind of knew those things and uh, I had to balance and act between Uh, my academics and my football success that really gave me uh, more identity and shaped who I became. And I just used that balancing act to protect me and buffer me from all the adversity that I was seeing. But I think a lot of it just came down to I didn't really live the outward experience as much as the inward experience. I I really believed in I could throw this football up in the air in my room at eight years young and one day make that materialize into something. So kind of staying that path and and staying disciplined to it was the toughest part um talk to me a little bit about dreaming because
0: that you know that eight-year-old version of you like there's all of us when we, we were eight at some point and we were like thinking of doing something or there was that poster on the wall or yeah. that vision you had um tell us about materializing those dreams just like what's that process like even going from eight to columbia and then to the nfl you know realizing those
1: dreams yeah exactly i mean I, we we don't read our own manuals a lot of times You know, we're just like when we get a new gadget We just open it up and just start playing with it And then six weeks later, your friend's like Hey, do you know about this feature? And you're like, no Well, you didn't <laughs> read the manual, damn it So, you know, it, it's kind of those steps I I really wanted to read the manual of what talents I had What things I really desired um, So when I'm throwing the football up in the air I'm just like, wow uh, this could be a means to an end. This can be something that can... By the way,
0: were you the same size when you were eight? <laughs> just, okay, just... just well, my son double... is two. He's <laughs> here. And maybe I was, because That's funny, because my son is five, and I thought they were close to the same age.
1: This is, um, <laughs> this is getting scary. Right. Um, <laughs> no, I was actually a late bloomer. Uh, crazy enough, I was not a guy that you looked at and said, NFL bound. Uh, <laughs> uh, I, I just wasn't. Uh, my mother was 6'1", 200. Plus, my father's 6'3", you know, big guy, big lady, and little son. So, uh, you know, uh, the football conversation didn't go well outside my ears a lot of times, but um, uh, I just kept kept going at it, uh, realizing the marathon in front of me and realizing that uh, it wasn't going to happen overnight. So I just kept putting in the work and really just staying focused on those two ideals that I had that supported me. And look, everyone tries to steer you off your course because they don't know exactly how dedicated you are to it. And I think that was something that instilled in me how much courage it took just to accomplish any goal and and set micro goals so you know you're in high school you just want to be on the team then you want to be the starter then you want to be the man then you want to get recruited and then you want to be a top recruit so you set those micro goals and you achieve those uh, in digestible parts and then it turns into something
0: micro goals is is a great word um in my book Aha, I like First it. In the box, ten essential rules for breaking essential rules. Yes, um, <laughs> they're <laughs> available. It is. Now, anyway, um, the, I talk about this concept of micro failures, mm-hmm. right? And I think it's the same thing when you are setting those, you know, incremental goals, and there is opposition that pops up in the way. How do you deal? And I'm sure you had a lot of physical training in dealing with opposition. Yeah. But the mental slash, you know, emotional uh, fortitude to withstand some of those other oppositions. You know, tell us a little bit about that part of the the, the game, if you.
1: Yeah, um, I was blessed to to hear the Mark Twain quote, quote when I was young. Uh, Life is the competition between you and yourself, and when I heard that, I mean that was an epiphany. That that really helped me crystallize uh, how how laser focused I need to be on what I wanted to do and how I had to make sure that I had distance and divide between what others thought I could do and what others thought I couldn't do. So those were the real moments in my life where I realized, okay, it's about what I want to do and and to stay strong to that. And look, I've fallen down many a times. Um, I've gotten up more than I've fallen down. And that's, I think, the the overall balance you need. Uh, The toughest parts about when you're going through that process is trying to get it into an echo chamber or to get it around people that could be your chorus. And um, you learn quickly that uh, even without the chorus, that you have to be internally motivated. And I think that's what it's about. It's just Realizing what do you want to do with all of this? So, in my book that's coming out this fall. It's not out yet, so <laughs> don't check Amazon and best selling. You're like, where is it? And, uh, fall, October 23rd. Um, it's called Never Shut Up, and it's about really telling the world who you are, um, your core, your essence. Um, trying to dictate circumstances because if I let circumstances dictate who I was going to become. I wouldn't be here at this podium with you right now. My wife says I never shut up. So, um, no.
0: So before we get into the book, I, just to put this all in perspective, mm-hmm. because beyond, you know, you as an individual and your sports career, um, you've got a whole slew of things going on. There's content. And the, tell us a little bit about the Marcellus Wiley
1: portfolio of goings-ons. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, You know, I I never believed I was a football player. I, I knew I played football, but I knew it was a means to an end. And when we talk about transition, I think it's really about keeping your core identity, no matter where it may be located in this world and in your occupation. So I think. For a lot of my teammates, uh, a lot of my brethren, they struggle because they really buy into the fact that they're football players, they're basketball players, they're they're that. Whatever they've been sold and told, they actually believe it. And that's fine. It gives you an unreal, laser-sharp focus for that moment. But as soon as things start to change or evolve, uh, they're not such agents of that transition. And it's very difficult for them to wrap their minds around that they're more than what they just just did. And that becomes the highlight of their life, et cetera. And we know about all the negative stats. So for me, uh, the portfolio is always an extension off of that initial platform of, wow, I played in the NFL and I played a decade in the NFL and got to play in every stadium, got to play against countless heroes and icons of the game. And those relationships and those moments gave me a drive and gave me uh, a courage to, to dare to do more than just tackle people and get hit (laughs) all the time. So uh, I've really tried to translate that. Uh, My first step in transition was to go at ESPN. And I started to work at ESPN upon retirement in 2007. Uh, And being a guy that can now articulate the game and the sociology of the game, the mindsets, um, not just X's and O's, but the I's and the U's, uh, the people out there and what they're experiencing, uh, that became another platform uh, to elevate the brand, and from there, I've been doing that for 11 years uh, and counting. Uh, (laughs) uh, It's been exciting because now the book's coming out. Uh, Now a television show is being sold, and uh, many of things that once again, when you're around the house, the neighborhood, telling guys this and they're laughing and they're giggling and they're like whatever, those things can actually come to fruition. Right. I think that's uh, the thing I'm most proud of. Is that, is that part of it lonely? And, and, and this comes up a lot because
0: I, I talk to a lot of innovators, entrepreneurs, founders, et cetera, et cetera, people who have like crazy ideas about how the world should work. And people are like, oh, that's that's nice. yeah, right. And, and as you tell them what your vision is, and then they may not necessarily believe it. Tell me what that Journey is like going out on your own, but also along the way pulling people in, enrolling them in the you know the Marcellus Wiley vision, yeah. um, and kind of filtering through like who's not on board and who is. It's a it's a pretty uh, treacherous road sometimes.
1: Yeah, it really is. Uh, my coach told me um, when I was going from the from the collegiate ranks to the pros, and every I mean, it's literally the moment you are drafted instantaneously, like immediately people go... (laughs) They come to you differently. And they always say that the person in that moment changes, but it's really everyone around you that changes, that perception changes. You're no longer just X. You're X plus. And, you know, I can no longer just come into the room and just be, oh, that's the guy who's trying to go to the pros, too. Now you're the guy in the pros. I want your autograph. Literally, I went to a store the day before I got drafted. The guy just rang my, rang up the receipt, said, oh, good seeing you again. Have a great one. I came back the next day, literally next day, after I was drafted. Forgot my headband. Had to go party that night. Forgot my headband. Shows Show up to the, the store. The guy literally closes the store, wants to take a photo shoot, and put me on the wall. This is 24 <laughs> hours later. <laughs> wow. The only thing that changed in my life was literally that I was drafted. Um, look, success will bring them all to you. Let's just be real about that. But in that process, uh, to know who to believe who's on your side, who's not, Uh, my coach said, listen to people. They're always telling themselves. And that was something very telling to me because when you come into a conversation, when you come into a new situation, what are you taking in beyond what you're already attracted to? I think so many times we get mesmerized by our attraction of a moment over a person, over an event that we don't really distill it for what it is. We so hear what we want to hear. Exactly. Right. That's selective perception. So uh, I think that is keen advice to just listen. Uh, it'll tell on itself. Uh, with all these things going on, um, well, first, let's, you,
0: you mentioned sort of being able to filter people out, right? And, mm-hmm. and also opportunities. You know, I think when I look at your portfolio, you know, from philanthropy to ESPN to just everything that's going on, I'm sure there's a, a 50 dozen other things that are coming to the table. How do you kind of filter and decipher which one of those things you entertain and take on and which ones you don't?
1: Yeah, I mean, look, you're going to fail. Uh, <laughs> that's how it goes. You're going to fail. Uh, certainly, you're going to learn from that experience if you're blessed, and that's how you go forward. But I think that when you have to start to put the proper Barriers of entry in place that helps you and helps the person that's coming to you with the proposal, the idea to realize how difficult this process is, to lane switch, lane jump. A lot of people like to do that. Oh, I'm a football player. Now let me just open up a business. Ooh, there are people that go to school and, and dedicate their <laughs> lives and their entire experience just to open up a business, let so alone you're just trying to do that lane switch. So I think putting the barriers to entry, and those barriers are proper people uh, that make sure that all the I's are dotted, all the T's across. Uh one of the simplest tricks was when people used to come to me every time I'm out, oh, I got this, I got this. And I always say, okay, email me in and my business manager. Hmm, the inbox is zero. <laughs> I, did it, I, did it, I did the same thing. It's
0: like, yeah. oh, it, it, um, my buddy Eric is here, and we talked about this um, a, a couple of weeks ago. Mm-hmm. And it was like, oh, okay, you want to do that? Shoot me a note. And nine times out of 10, it doesn't
1: happen. And it it's doesn't. just kind of like, what is that telling for you? Like, what's that, what's that evidence of? Oh, well, one, I think that's the first time they get to look and peer at the mountain and say, "Whoa, that is a little more than I thought." You know, because anybody I gotta would, send an email? Yeah, 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 I, yeah, I gotta do some work. <laughs> like I thought this was just gonna come to life because I said it. <laughs> um, but two, uh, they they quickly sensed that this person is for real, and if this is how it's gonna start, I can only imagine what's gonna come after this. So uh, there's a reason why a lot of times people are just shooting in the dark is because. They never really went through that entire process. And that's good for them as well, like, to learn that process. And maybe the next person they come up to, they're actually ready for that email, but right. they weren't ready for you. Yep. yep. Micro failure, See? Mm-hmm. It's in my book. Okay.
0: Um, so... <laughs> So, you know, across all these things, you talk about this a little bit, but I'm, I'm more curious as to what is your superpower? Like, when you walk into a business setting, mm. you know, what is it that people expect from you aside from the shiny objects, right? It's like, <laughs> yes. oh, look, look who we got. It's more so like, what are you bring to that table that is whether it's inspiring or, you know, some sort of management style? Like, what is the,
1: the, the Marcellus Wiley superpower in, in, in business? Wow. Uh, I, I, I guess the special sauce that I possess is, is really being able to touch, the extremes in terms of life, and and having that experience has really uh, left me with a, a, a different aptitude in terms of being open-minded, uh, in terms of perseverance, and also in understanding. Uh, you know, you you grow up in the toughest of circumstances. You see a lot. You know, kids grow up post-traumatic stress, like literally you see death and you see drug addicts, and you see the craziest stuff that we see in some of these summer movies. But you actually live that every summer. And then you take that to an extreme where you're at an Ivy League institution with a third generation billionaire who's who's just sitting there in class with you with a suit on talking and battling the teacher like it's a football game and that really is mind-blowing to see the competition in the class and you saw that on the field and then now you see diversity and then you see the affluence and i get to see it all in one mixture of life experience Um, not a lot of people had their feet in both of those circumstances and then you translate that to an NFL experience and really get to realize a dream. Um, I think that that's probably what's unique about my story is, uh, one individual element may be like, okay, I've heard that before. Right. But when you combine those forces, um, it's, it's kind of a rare feat. Well, it's also,
0: you know, I think a background like yours, and I grew up in Detroit in very similar circumstances, the, the Compton of the Midwest. Um, and, <laughs> <laughs> right. and I think it builds in you a, a sort of resiliency, you mm-hmm. know, where someone, a, a team or an individual may panic in a situation where you're like, no, no, no. It, It's okay. Right? So that fortitude, I don't know if I have a question there, but it it was was something I picked up on as far as like being level in in a a world of chaos.
1: Yeah. I I don't like to draw the line in in terms of absolutes and and then that turns into hyperbole. But in this case, I'm almost going to draw this conclusion. And I've learned from my athletic experience and translating that to the real world, where the normal people are, non-athletes, athletes Athletes work so much harder on the typical level, and they complain so much less than the typical person that I work with in media or in any other endeavor outside athletics. Why? Because literally we had to go to a stadium at times where we couldn't walk to the game, but we were going to run minutes later. Man, how do you do that? Uh, You go to this place. It's a special place in your head that adrenaline kind of gives you the elevator. And then everything else takes over. Uh, Injections helped. Uh, Let's just be real about that. (laughs) Uh, Some medicine occurred. And then you will go out there and go to battle. And you will do it again next week. And you'll do it again next week. And when you're going through that, you're really being calloused in the way that Other people are not experiencing, you know, and then I, I never had a sick day in my life in the NFL. Never. You have the flu. You better show up to practice. You got pneumonia. Okay, well, we'll pick you up and then we'll check you out here. I mean, literally, I never even (laughs) thought in my life to call in and say, I don't feel good. But then I get to ESPN, and I literally hear my co-hosts like, "Like, oh, I missed last week. I'm sorry." We're like, well, "What were you?" you? My stomach man. It was just like, "I was like your stomach." It's like, "It's I had a toe cramp." <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it just literally you sit walking. down at your job. Yeah, you're, it's you're crazy. Toe cramp <laughs> What temperature is it in here? Like, I'm like, "Are you kidding me? Have you ever had a triple day practice in Dallas in the summer?" No, you haven't. And so I think when you when you just reflect at times, you're right that that the resilience is built up. You're just hardened in a different way. And I think it has many benefits.
0: Well, you, I, because you work with youth and you're a motivational speaker, how do you teach somebody that, you know, later on? Cause it, like you, you've been an athlete all your life, right? Yeah. It's kind of like you've been disciplined to be disciplined. Like it's, a, <laughs> it's a, you get both sides of it, but you know, for somebody who may be entering it or I'm a first time founder of a company. And I know you've worked with speaker, which is a um, a, a, yes. g- a good company. And I, I love Marco. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, can that skill be taught? Well, to what degree?
1: Well, I think it's a mindset that comes around a core word called competition. And I think we've all kind of got suckered into what competition was and I don't think competition is as advertised. So for me, uh, competition is not beating my opponent. You know, a lot of times we got told that, like, if you win that game, oh, my God, you're good. And then you win another one, oh, you're really good. You keep winning. You're great. Problem with that is, who are you playing against? One. And two, are you caught up in process or performance? Big difference because kids today need to learn process. But you hear instead- that, kids? <laughs> yeah. Where is it? Well, there's no kids here. Yeah, but instead <laughs> they're being celebrated by performance and that makes you skip the process to get to the results that everyone can see. But then you will face someone who is a greater opponent who actually respected the process and you stand not a chance. So for me, competition is not about beating you. It's about beating me yesterday and the day before. I got to continue to be a better version of me and then let that flourish into existence. And that has been lost. Um, So teaching someone that mindset, you have to first teach them that you're competing against yourself. Like just keep Remembering that when you lose that game and it was a championship game by one point, you lost to the other best team in the city, in the state, in the country. That's not hard to swallow, but it should be something that you realize that this is a positive Here's the thing. You can win all the other games and you're like, oh, I'm the man. But who are you playing? Not the other best team. So I think a lot of times we just got to come to that realization and instill in youngsters that the process matters more than these results. That's, that's brilliant. You guys enjoy that? Um,
0: we want you to never shut up so tell us tell us a little it. bit about the book <laughs> I love
1: it I love it well the book comes out this fall uh, October. October 2018 yep Mark October your calendars. 23rd um and uh it, it's really it's really an experience through uh, the circumstances that I've seen and the mindset that it took to overcome that adversity in those circumstances and how to start to let the world realize who you are when the world is always constantly trying to box you in. And uh, I was told that not only I would be in a box, but that box wouldn't be here forever. It would expire uh, soon. Uh, I think that was a difficult thing to swallow growing up. Uh, It was very difficult to watch my family struggle and not see the escape route for our family in terms of our generation and our affluence being better than what we were going through. So I lived a world where everyone had a job and no one had a career. I lived a world where uh, people had low ambition, and I thought that was the most defeating quality of all. Um, I saw a lot in my life, but the most defeating was that people aimed lower than they were capable of. Of obtaining and just being a youngster just looking around and seeing that defeated look uh, people just kind of going through experience after experience without any meaning or any intention uh, very difficult so uh, my book is about any kid any adult who wants to challenge themselves to be greater than their wildest dream than their current setting uh, their their real circumstances and I I, I properly named it Never Shut Up, is because when you're competing against yourself, you got to constantly tell yourself, hey, we can do this. Because uh, in football, in all sports, the cheerleaders are on the sidelines. But in reality, the biggest cheerleader got to be inside you. So make sure that that person is always supporting With Pom-poms you. and everything. Pom-poms My and everything. inner cheerleader, um, that's a whole other podcast.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, you, you talked about like the genesis of your book, at least being your family and the surroundings and those things. Um, you have a family now. Yeah. So, you know, what is what is the the elevator look like? Right. You, now right. you have a new springboard. Yeah. So what do you want to instill in your kids now? And what do you also there's a quote I love, which is um, it's not so much that we uh, we forget to. Uh, We're sorry. We try so hard to give our kids what we didn't have that we forget to give them what we did have. Mm-hmm. Right. So there's this balance of like there's some things that I didn't like growing up, but made you who you are and yeah. you want to give that to your family, you know, your family, but at the same time you want to take them to a next level. So where's that, you know, middle ground. Where Where are you in
1: that? Yeah. It, it, I, I'm glad you said it that way as well, because I want my kids to have the experiences I had without experiencing it. You right. know, i, I Just take them and drop them off and come in for like two hours. <laughs> they will be, be back. <laughs> <laughs> my daughter wouldn't make it. Uh, um, I want, like you said, those variables, those elements, what came from that. At the same time, I don't want you to have to go through that. Um, So that's part what I'm trying to infuse. But really, it's an open-minded, loving, nurturing position that I take. I want you to actually have those same moments where you design your life. And I don't care what that design is, because if that design is something that is your passion and that is something that's in line with what your spirit is saying, then I want you to, to go get that. And my family never pushed me to play football. My parents weren't into the, oh, this is a walking scholarship. This is a walking meal ticket. And I see a lot of parents do that. And, Rarely do I see that guy in the locker room at the pro level. Rarely. Like, you see him get to maybe even college level, and then you just see him flame out. Because to get there, do you know how much you have to go through? And if it's not being fueled by you and your sole intention and purpose, you're not going to make it. Because once again, you're going to run against somebody else who (laughs) is there for those reasons. So for my kids, for my family, it's really allowing them to – to create what they want without all the disturbances that I had to go through, but they just change form. Right. You know, they change shape. Now you're in the suburbs, you're in a better place, whatever you want to call it. Okay. That's fine. Too
0: many, too many squirrels. <laughs> too, too
1: many, look at these squirrels. What are we going to do? <laughs> um, Be careful. <laughs> there's, still, there's still circumstances that they obviously have to overcome.
0: No, that's great. And, and I mean, I, I love that because I, I think, that's not that's that's a broader life philosophy for for anybody Mm. like at whatever stage in life you are there's another i'm gonna keep doing quotes but another quote i like is you know what got you here won't get you there Mm. right whatever you've been practicing and doing up until this point like and you want to reach another level it requires some ingenuity and some re-engineering and some retooling um as you start to you know continue to escalate (laughs) like what are some skills that you're looking to sharpen or attain or you know just learn more about
1: yeah um One of the things that is really challenging is uh, when you become like a taskmaster, when you really start to say, I want to do X, Y, and Z, and then you check that box um, to really color in the box, not just check it, um, because there's so much life in every accomplishment and experience in that journey. Um, And growing up, I never felt pressure. I felt responsible, which was slightly different for me because if you have pressure, it feels like you have an option. You have a choice. This is a championship game. Why is there pressure in a championship game? Because you can win or you can lose. I didn't have that. I knew I couldn't lose, so I felt responsible. Like with a child, like you can't drop your child. like You know, like that's not pressure. That's like <laughs> you, you better not drop your child. Like there's no option. And, 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 I felt like that growing up. Like I had no Option but to help the family. And I had these skills and you had to materialize them. Um, for me going forward is to. Feel what that joy is in terms of accomplishment, in terms of experience, Uh, because now my responsibility is shared with my wife. My responsibility is shifted because now I'm trying to let someone else create their own. Um, It's not about me saying, get in and I'll pull us. It's about now, where do you want me to get in so I can help fuel you? So it's a completely different different shift that i have to learn to accept that fun joyful process because for me uh kind of was a serious business that, as much as i'm a jokester like i know i just saw the look in your eyes i, I was I was, lo- I was a little like oh so yeah like, i would go to that place and i, I kind of want to stay away from that place and still get there right uh, is, is that easier said than done Hmm. Oh, yeah. I struggle with it every single day, every single way. It's it's amazing because y- you, you got here and you're like, man, don't you abandon. Why don't you abandon those principles. But at the same time, you you want to smell the roses. Uh, and I don't think that that takes a, a hard stop to your process or a hard stop to you accomplishing anything. But I've been trained to... To achieve and then, okay, tomorrow we got to work at it. Okay, achieve. I got to do this next. Um, and as you you introduced me, like kind of doing so many different things uh, to make sure that I'm finding uh, the the real happiness and all those things. Um, speaking
0: of discipline and, and probably not a joyous process, you uh, were the typing champion of, of 1988. Uh, 82 words per minute. Anybody can beat that. Yeah. Yeah. How, how, long, like it,
1: like, yeah
0: bro. <laughs> how long? did it take you to finish your book? <laughs> right. <laughs> Done. Yeah. Okay. Um, uh, and you're also valedictorian. Like, yeah. what did? Like, did you put pressure on your? You did. You said you didn't have pressure, but did you ever put pressure on yourself to be successful in seemingly everything yeah. you've attempted to do? Down to, from typing to yeah, yeah. you know <laughs> to hosting on ESPN. Um, and and if so, like, where did you learn? Like, where where have you begun to, to stop and smell the roses?
1: Yeah. Um, I, one, I'm not successful in everything I do. Trust me. Uh, <laughs> I, I said seemingly. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> I have learned the art of figuring out what you have a chance to do well and, and staying in those places. Uh, I can't draw. I'm not an artist by any measure. Uh, so you'll never see anything that says designed by Marcellus. That's not happening. Um, <laughs> I know kind of where to stay. Um Typing, you know, it's so funny. I became the national typewriting champion literally in the easiest way possible. Like, this was the easiest championship (laughs) to ever win. Um, We're all taking that elective. You're in eighth grade. It is 1988, and everyone's figuring out what's what, kind of,
0: what kind of hairstyle did you have in 1988
1: um, it was just the low little Gary Coleman okay <laughs> <laughs> you know just a little typical low Gary Coleman about <laughs> yeah yeah um, and I remember taking a class and everybody was in there just to get the easy A and I was like yeah and I was like and hey, this might be a good skill because you know a lot of adults type for a living so I was like alright this might be a good skill but I'm in it for the easy A and week one everyone's in there we type in like 15 words a minute if that like we just we barely finished one sentence and she's like time and you're like 15 words and she's like all right well. came back a couple weeks 20 words everybody in the class same because we we're all approaching it the same way next week 25 and then something just hit me i was in the car with my father and we were going up slawson and i literally was just driving uh, he's driving and i'm looking and i just started to pay attention to the street signs more than normal and then i started with my home keys to type them out in the car, so literally it went: Lawson, oh, oh Buckingham, oh, I'm just <laughs> like I on my lap. I'm not telling my dad. I'm not telling. So I'm not telling my my uh, friends at school. No one knew. I just start doing this in my head, and then two weeks later, everyone's at 30. I'm at like 40. Then they're like at 35. I'm at 50. Then they're still at 35. I'm at 60. And then it just <laughs> kept going. They're like, "What are you doing?" And literally just going around taking advantage of my time, the little things is how you get the big things Um, by doing those little things. That's what got me there. So I've kind of learned that behavior in all things. It's amazing how they say, you know, time flies when you're having fun. Um, If you're doing something and doing the right things and working hard, time is hella slow. Like time takes you have 90 hours in a day if you're doing the right things. But if you're not Choon, choon, yeah. choon. It's amazing. So I've always tried. Or to Or it's take just a going on forever. Yeah, yeah. Like, they yeah. will never end. <laughs> <laughs> so I kind of learned that art. In, yeah. In, in, in those moments. That's
0: interesting. Is um, uh, in my book. Now that I do talk about this idea of capacity, right? Um, and I said at one point. In my career, I kind of had this prayer where I wanted to increase my capacity to do things. Oh, and like it that. is exactly what you're talking about. It's not like people go like, oh, how do you do so much? It's like, I like, I, I enjoy it. I can bang out 20 email responses because I'm like, I'm. it's a joyful process for mm-hmm. me. And even though there's some angst behind like the effort and stuff that goes into it. But right. but that idea that, that you know, time does fly when you're, you're like, oh, okay, I got through way more than I thought
1: I would get through today. Yeah, my wife hears all the time and sometimes when we're talking about, about like time management thing i was like the most busy ceo in the world and the laziest bum of a friend you got both have the same amount of time in the day to get it done and it's amazing when you really just think about that bank account we all have the (laughs) same amount like it's amazing so when i hear one of the excuses is i don't have enough time My eyes roll because I'm like, oh, you don't know how to manage time. Now, I was blessed at Columbia to have a course. We actually had a time management course, um, part of the transition as a student athlete from high school to college. So we had this little workshop where we really learned about time management. Amazing. If you think you don't have enough time in a day, just write down what you're doing today and you'll start to see the fat. (laughs) <laughs> and you'll start to see the moments where you can really do more. Um, speaking of
0: Columbia, you also started a um, a sports industry essentials program. Yes. The SEIP, is that right? Yeah. Uh, wait, did I get it wrong? <laughs> S-I-E-P. Mm-hmm. I, can, I can read, too. All right. Um, it is fundamental. So uh, <laughs> tell us about that, because I also read that it's the first of its kind in any collegiate capacity. Um, yes. But tell us a little bit about what that program is and, you know, how it came to fruition.
1: Yeah, um, along with our team— um, um, and Yellow Brick and formerly of Cubed uh, really came and what's Yellow Brick just so the people mm-hmm. know uh, it, it's now Cubed uh, <laughs> um, oh Cubed all right yeah it used to be Cubed so, you buy transition. It <laughs> there you go uh, <laughs> um, really wanted to give kids an opportunity uh, to really expand themselves beyond just being on the field or on the sidelines in terms of the sports experience as you know ESPN and other entities out there uh, it's a 20 Twenty-four-seven news cycle, and there's tremendous need for uh, personalities and talents out there. And uh, growing up, one of the the things you would always hear is, uh, "I don't know necessarily." what I can do outside of sports and entertainment. Like that was one of the things that was really cliche. And we're trying to give kids an enroll to actually having that experience as a broadcaster, as a moderator, and really getting their hours in um, before they even get to that level. So their resume is already built and is stronger than it would have been. Uh, just realizing a lot of athletes get to the pro level, the average Lifespan of an athlete in the pros is three years. So a lot of guys spend their entire childhood to get to the age of 22 to get drafted, to be in the real world at 25. And football's behind them. Basketball's behind them. Um, And then they're trying to figure out what's next. Uh, We want this next generation to still aspire to obviously get on the field or on the sidelines as a coach, but also to be around what you're so passionate about, which is the game, and you can start at a young level.
0: Yeah, I love. It. I mean, I just love this thread of identity versus passion, right? And it's, you know, and I think we all go through that, where you, you know, when I went to college, I was 17, I didn't know what I wanted to do, I picked a major, I was like, oh yeah, that sounds easy enough. Right. Uh, and, <laughs> and, and then, uh, you know, 20 years later, I'm like, what, am, what have I done? Like, who am I? And so, there's this, like, how, yes, the skills side of it, but what? how do you help them approach the softer, like the soft skills? side, like the EQ of it all, mm-hmm. right? How do you guide people through that emotionally? Because that's frustrating. You're 22, and then yeah. three years later, you're like, I need a job. Yeah. right. Like, And I have no idea where to begin.
1: Yeah, exactly. I mean, it starts at the fundamental level, as we were talking about, with identity. Um, you just can't wrap yourself around which is going to be deemed as just an occupation. Like, I understand how it, it is the spirit and passion of this country to play sports. And I see it. I see the parents at the Pop Warner and at the T-ball games, they're just looking at the kids, and there's dollar signs, and there's there's hope, and there's opportunity all wrapped in one. But you got to remember, they're just going to do a job. Like, it's literally going to be a job. Um, uh, yesterday, I'm taking my, my wife is taking my son to my gym, and I come after I work out to my gym. And who's in the lobby? Clayton Kershaw. Now, this Clayton Kershaw, right? He's daddy right there. At my gym, you ain't throwing fastballs. At my my gym, you're just daddy Kershaw, you know? And you got to remember that all of that comes and all of that goes. And you got to make sure that you survive that process. And what's important to me is that a kid understands that, like you said, the emotional quotient you need— is to really build it on solid ground, which is gonna be everlasting beyond whatever success you have in the game or whatever failures you have in the game. Uh, one thing I learned in networking, uh, I got a networking tip. Uh, we used to, every single team I play on, we have this huge luncheon with the mayor and city councilman and the CEOs of the community, sponsors. They're all sitting there together, right? And Per table is one player on the team, Dallas Cowboys. You're in Dallas. Jerry Jones is at one table. Next table, you got Troy Aikman. Next table, you got Emmitt Smith. Next table, you got me. Next table, you got whoever. And then we're surrounded by eight other CEOs and senior VPs in Dallas. And I remember all of my teammates disgusted by... Just being there like this is the longest hour of my damn life. Like, <laughs> I mean, just like it, it felt like to them just an hour of autograph seeking and, and jock sniffing. They called it, you know, like, oh, God, I mean, stories can I tell. And I remember that one of our alums at Columbia told me when you're at those those meetings, you're at that table, grab a business card from every single person. And then what I used to do is cut and paste the email. I could type it pretty fast yeah, too. Right? I so I, I cut You take done it. with all your emails already? Yep. <laughs> yep, done. <laughs> yep. no, the whole city. <laughs> Got the whole city ready. And, and then just change the heading, just and send it out. Thanks. It was great meeting you. Thanks. If you ever need anything, a couple tickets to the game on me, fine. Did that all my years of planning. Only one person ever wrote back saying, yeah, I actually take the tickets. Uh, <laughs> everyone else wrote back saying, uh, so great meeting you're an amazing person, blah, blah, blah. Now, what I learned from that is how that was another enhancement in relationship building. That, once again, just that increment of time went that far in terms of our, our relationships and our experience. And just little things like that, I want these kids to realize when you're the high school star, because even if you fail at the pro level, you're a high school star get to know that community when you're in college don't just go up there for the cute girls and the and the great training table and the weight room like get to know the people there who are making decisions because when you're in those moments, that's when they're going to listen the most. One thing
0: you touched on a really great thing is, you know, you talk about perception earlier, like how people perceive you. But it's also how you perceive a particular circumstance, All right? right? You're sitting at the table, I'm bored. No, no, no. If you perceive it differently, it's a golden opportunity. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to get to some questions from you guys but forget it no kidding um <laughs> I, uh, I so um the show is called innovation crush yes. what do you have what have you seen out there that you personally have a crush on i mean you've mm. kind of seen a little bit of everything but um what's kind of like something that's really getting getting your goose right now Oh. Uh, ah your goose has been gotten
1: oh uh, uh, maybe i'm I, i'm Still a step behind, but I'm still marveling at what media is doing in terms of the shift between uh, appointment viewing and our whole regurgitation Netflix viewing. I like, I love that intersection right now because. What I do is sports, and what that means is 1 o'clock Super Bowl start. So you're not on Netflix for that. You're on ESPN, network TV, whatever it may be. You have to watch it. The only thing that is still unifying in terms of media really is appointment viewing that sporting event. Everything else is, I catch it when I want to, and I catch it when I feel like it. And that is amazing because the stronghold that – Appointment television had before. Like I said, different strokes came on. I'm watching different strokes (laughs) in that moment. (laughs) Now it's like I catch it and I'll I'll not only catch it, I'll watch all of the season in five minutes. Like, you know, that day. I just love where that's going because I think there's a huge solve somewhere in that intersection because the ratings don't properly assess that currently.